Behind Vancouver as the Canucks fall 2-1 in overtime to the Edmonton Oilers, but a much better performance than we saw on Sunday in Calgary. Of course, they dressed a much better lineup as well. Jeff Patterson along with Matt Sakaris. It is rink-wide Vancouver and lots to get to as the Canucks hold McDavid at bay for, well, 60 minutes of regulation time. In fact, Connor McDavid really hadn't done an awful lot in this hockey game, but that's what the greats do. Uh, when the stage is the biggest, and I know it's preseason, so really how big is the stage, but it doesn't take much for him to be the game breaker. And 55 seconds in, gets behind Quinn Hughes on a breakaway, and Connor McDavid beats Casey DeSmith on the backhand. Game is over at that point, but uh, the Canucks were game throughout. Uh, offense has been a little bit of an off- a problem, obviously, here through the first two games of the preseason, but there was a fair bit to like, Matt, in the overall performance. And as I said, a better lineup, you would expect yeah. a, a better effort. First of all, Jeff, thanks for having me aboard. Um, first time for me on Rink White here, and uh, I'm glad that I didn't get 10 nothing on Sunday, as Blake did. Of course, halfway through this hockey game, my friend, we were going, oh, maybe 10 nothing would be appealing here. There wasn't much happening in what was a scoreless, low-shot, low-event game for the longest time. Look, McDavid is noticeable throughout because Connor McDavid is just noticeable. That's what he does. But no, I thought the Canucks did a reasonable job. Last night, I was looking at three, or tonight, I was looking at three things going into this game, Jeff. Number one, coming off 10 nothing, and I don't want to say response because A, it's preseason, and B, I think there was only six players who played Sunday who were back in the lineup today. But, you know, as everybody was saying all day, Edmonton is dressing all their big offensive guys. The Vancouver Canucks are not sending their full NHL lineup. So what would that look like? And quite frankly, you know, the shots and chances, I'm sure, were Edmonton's way. But I thought Vancouver did pretty well in this game, held their own. Number two, I wanted to see what Dakota Joshua was Mm -hmm. going to do coming off Rick Tockett's comments, and he was physically involved right from the first shift, the opening minute of this hockey game. He drew a penalty on Darnell Nurse, I think just out of pure frustration that Joshua was a, a thorn in their side. And then number three, goaltending. This was our first opportunity to see Casey DeSmith in Vancouver Canucks colors. So Sort of. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Casey DeSmith's first, uh, you know, first real uh, go here with the Vancouver Canucks. So wanted to see how he did, and I thought he played uh, reasonably well himself. Sure. And, of course, one of the storylines, and I know it's preseason, but we're talking about the Oilers with the best historic power play mm-hmm. in modern National Hockey League history last year and the Canucks and their penalty-killing woes. And if nothing else, uh, you can call that facet of the game a success for the Vancouver Canucks. And we'll continue to get into that. But the Oilers had their top guns, McDavid and Dreisaitl and the Nuge and Vander Kane and Zach Hyman. And the Canucks killed seven minutes and two seconds of power play time for Edmonton. Didn't give up a goal. They bent in the first period Oilers peppered them at one point, but again, this is the Oilers, this is the power play, this is what they do, and on the night, the Canucks went 4-for-4 four four on the penalty kill, and there weren't many nights last year when they went 4-for-4 four four on the penalty kill, and Teddy Bluger, you know, we'll get into individual performances, but uh, I joked on Twitter, easily his best game as a Canuck, <laughs> uh, his first game as a Vancouver Canuck, but that is promising, and he was one of the guys that they targeted in the offseason for that specific role he was the first guy out over the boards, took all of the defensive zone faceoffs when the Canucks were shorthanded in this hockey game. And so I think you get a sense after one night of what you can expect from Teddy Bluger moving forward, not just here in the preseason, but when they get to games that matter. And of course, when they get to games that matter, 
Uh, they'll open with back-to-back games against this same Edmonton Oilers power play. So uh, they'll see the Oilers again on Saturday at Rogers Arena, the first home preseason game for the Vancouver Canucks. But uh, we're breaking down a 2-1 overtime loss in Edmonton for the Canucks, who are now 0-1-1 in the preseason and required Vancouver a presentation of Bodog. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and uh, sports odds. Bodog, line of the day, these Oilers and the New Jersey Devils, two of the highest scoring teams we suspect this year. And if you like them both to finish first in their conference, the West and the East respectively, it pays off 14 to 1 on your Bodog line of the day. Jeff, I thought Teddy Bluger was the best Canuck tonight. He snuffed out the first power play opportunity for the Oilers in the first period. And as the game went on, I thought he just got better and better on the penalty kill. I mean, you take a look at that game and you say to yourself, this is the reason the Vancouver Canucks went and got him on July 1st. Remember, they made him a priority on July 1st. 1.9 million. And you thought, okay, that's maybe a little much for a guy who's going to be a a fourth-line center. But he snuffed out the early power play in the first period. He creates a turnover in the second period. And then in the third period, I thought it was incredible. He had a shorthanded chance. He once again forced the Oilers out of the offensive zone on the power play, forced them to regroup, and even got involved in a chance with Elias Pettersson coming out of the box. So I thought Bluger was the best Canuck tonight. Stock up if Nils Oman thought there was an opportunity that he was going to be the fourth-line center on this club. Uh, Teddy Bluger, maybe not slam the door because we got some more preseason and camp left here, but he certainly closed the door a little bit and I think took a step towards securing that fourth-line center job, if there was any doubt, Jeff. Right, and I, I, I'm i not sure that there was, but he served notice. I mean, he just looked like a polished National Hockey Leaguer who fit the bill of what the Canucks were expecting when they went out and got him in free agency on the night for Teddy Bluger. 15 and a half minutes of ice time, 327 of that shorthanded. He goes six and five in the faceoff circle, so wins more than he loses, and that's what they want from him, uh, especially when it comes to shorthanded faceoffs. And the other thing you talked about, uh, Elias Pettersson takes the high-sticking penalty on Dreisaitl in a one-all game early in the third period. Bluger has that shorthanded chance on fresh ice that yeah. Stuart Skinner looked like he was going to back right into the net, was able to keep that one out, but then as Pettersson stepped out of the penalty box after he had served his two minutes, sets up Bluger in the slot, and again, another a scoring opportunity there. So, you know, the question around Teddy Bluger is, is there more to give offensively? And I do think that it's a fair question, and it's not a question that's going to get answered here in the preseason, but absolutely a, a nice debut mm-hmm. in the Vancouver Canuck uniform for Teddy Bluger. Uh, I, I might push back a little bit on best Canuck. I would say best Canuck forward in this hockey game. Uh, I thought Quinn Hughes had a, a, a yep. big night and a nice night. He scores the only goal for the Canucks. It's a power play goal midway through the second period. Kuzmenko and Pedersen. The thing that I like from Hughes, and this is going to bear watching as the season unfolds, first time that he has stepped on the ice wearing the C for the Vancouver Canucks, and I know he wasn't involved in the game the other night, but that's the first game for the Canucks under you know his watch, and it is a bit of a stain on the organization. I wonder if he took that personally in any way. Whatever the case, he couldn't do anything about what happened Sunday. He can control what's in front of him. Quinn Hughes played and played a lot. No surprise there. 24 minutes and 10 seconds. Three shots on goal. Nine shot attempts. And that's what I'm going to watch as the season rolls along because he does so many things well, but only seven goals last year. And he's just too talented. He plays too much in all situations. 
I, I think he has to find a way to get into double digits in the goal column. Now, if he finishes with nine goals and 70 assists, I'm not going to hold it against him and call it a disappointing season. But again, I just think he can jump up into the rush. He reads the plays, all those types of things. I love the fact that he was launching a bunch of shots. He had the puck on his stick, not afraid to shoot. Connor Garland did a nice job. It's a net front on that goal. It tipped off Evan Bouchard. But Quinn Hughes opens his goal-scoring account here on the first night of the preseason for him. And we'll see if he can get that good mojo going because I think he should. Just, again, what he means to this hockey club, uh, I think he's got to find ways to just diversify a little bit. Mm-hmm. When it comes to to putting pucks in the net, well, and we've talked about this for some time. I mean, you're the guy, Jeff, who's tracked how little offensive output they've gotten from their collection yep. of defensemen over these really over this decade. Yep, and dead uh, last in the NHL last year. When yeah, it and, and it was absolutely painful before Quinn Hughes got here. And uh, despite his best efforts, it's still not anywhere where it needs to be. And quite frankly, I'm not sure Carson Susieri and Cole helped that much right. with their profile. Of player. As for the shot attempts tonight, first of all, I think you're right to look at the shot attempts. But secondly, why not? I mean, Brock Besser and JT Miller aren't in this hockey game. They're two, uh, they're two fifths of what would be the first power play unit. They're not there. So why not take more shots? What I will say is, what did the final ice time read there for? He was 24. 24 10. And that was after, and we both sort of noticed mysteriously early in the second period, there were some different pairs there. We didn't see Quinn Hughes. We might've just missed it, Mm -hmm. but it didn't seem like Hughes took a shift very early in the second period, almost like four or five minutes went off the clock before Hughes had his first second period shift. Perhaps you see the shift chart there and can tell me otherwise we just missed it. Uh, That's a little much, I would think. In preseason, <laughs> I would like to think they dial that back a little bit going forward, given they, how they many minutes he's going to play in see, games that matter. They just don't see, seem capable of dialing it back when it comes to Quinn Hughes. It's preseason. Dial it back, coach. And he also served two minutes of a penalty in the first period for a hold on Zach Hyman. So probably would have added to his total had he been available there. Hughes from Kuzmenko, and they did tack on a second assist to Elias Pedersen. So uh, those three figure in the scoring. Again, this Canuck team got, not this Canuck team, but the Canucks that played on Sunday got blanked in Calgary. Just one goal, so that continues to be a work in progress. And it was a slow start to this hockey game, let's be honest. Three shots in the first period, only two of them from forward. So they've got to find a way to generate a little bit more. But uh, as the game progressed, the shot totals were three in the first period, eight in the second, 11 and then the only shot of overtime was Connor McDavid and not even really a shot, a backhand as he uh, deked his way right into the net to end it at the 55-second mark. But, you know, again, preseason is about individual performances. Uh, I guess you can look at some collectives like we did with the penalty kill, but we touched on Teddy Bluger. We touched on Quinn Hughes. Uh, you mentioned Casey DeSmith, who, again, it's been a busy week for this guy gets traded, has to make his way out to the West Coast and then get to Victoria, learn his teammates, learn systems, work with Ian Clark, all those types of things, gets thrown into his first game action. And yeah, against McDavid, Dreisaitl, and this other power play, I thought Casey DeSmith uh, more than held his own. And lots of guys have given up lots of goals to Connor McDavid, so no shame there getting beaten on the breakaway in overtime. But uh, 27 saves on the 29 shots that he faced on the night. Let's talk about this uh, this penalty killing group. Uh, we've mentioned Bluger; he was first over the boards as a forward with Nils Oman. They then went forward wise with Dakota Joshua and Jack Stanika. Before third uh, group over the boards was Pedersen 
and dry. So you, okay, you take a look at the lineup, Jeff, and of course that's going to dictate who's playing the penalty kill. And I can't imagine that Sheldon Dries is going to take many P, take many PK shifts if he's on this hockey team in the regular season. But I think, you know, we both sort of looked at each other and went, Assassin, uh, Baines are probably going to play PK in Abbotsford this year. Atu Ratu might be playing penalty kill in in Abbotsford this year. So I was a little bit surprised to see some of the penalty killing forward duos that came out over the boards, but you got to hand it to them. They did very well against uh, a top power play as you outlined. Now, the other thing that I think is needs to be said here a little bit, I thought Jack Stanika was pretty good for a second. I heard you say he was one of the better Canucks in 10 nothing. not that there were many right. good Canucks. But he had four shots on goal the other night. I thought Stanika was okay tonight, too. He's been going since day one of training camp. and for He people clearly that, took the message from Tockett, right? Yeah, like He summer. has clearly been the guy yep. who has said, I am going to make sure I'm noticed each and every day that we're here, whether it's a practice, whether it's a training camp drill, whether it's a preseason game. Well, and look, they're not the fastest team in the National Hockey League, and he has speed. That is one of the things that he does. On top of that, he's trying to round out his game, and so if it means taking on some penalty killing and trying – uh, when you're dead last in the NHL, well, the help wanted signs should be out. They should be auditioning guys in the preseason to see, you know, if you've got speed and you can use it to your advantage and track guys down or break up plays, pressure, all those types of things. So I, I think there could be a role there for Jack Studnika. Can he keep it up? And I'm really curious to see how many guys that played tonight are going to be tested and are going to be right back in the lineup tomorrow in Seattle. I would assume that JT Miller and Brock Besser and be a suitor and Phil DiGiuseppe and guys that didn't play tonight and haven't mm-hmm. played. And well, I guess suitor played in Calgary, but uh, guys that haven't played yet, they're going to play. But yeah. part of preseason evaluation is seeing how, you know, if a guy has a good night, one night, you want to go right back. It's the NHL. There are back to backs, three and fours, all those types of things. So I'll be curious to see. And it wouldn't surprise me if they want to keep leaning on a guy like Stanika to see what he can do. Well, you- let me, add, let me stop you there because sure. Stanika is one of six guys who's now played in both preseason yep. games. Oglander, Oman, Ratu, Sasson, McWard being the others. You think we see any of those guys tomorrow in Seattle? Yeah, I won't be surprised if one or two. Okay. Um, McWard was the only defenseman that was asked right. to play both games, and, and you do wonder whether that means, hey, we like what we see in McWard, and he got some run with Quinn Hughes at practice this week, and so perhaps he's moving up the pecking order a little bit. I thought he did some decent things tonight, some good, some bad. Mixed bag from him. Just want to go back to a couple of the sort of fringe forwards, if you will. And I say that with all due respect. These guys are trying to make a National Hockey League roster and both played in the NHL with the Canucks last year. But Nils Oman and Sheldon Drives, if you've noticed, played the wing. And I think if they're going to be on this team, that that is where they're likely to find an opportunity because the Canucks think they've beefed up down the middle. Pedersen, Miller, obviously, are one-two. And then you bring in Pia Suter and talked about uh, all-star Teddy Bluger, at least uh, preseason all-star Teddy Bluger tonight. Uh, I'm not sure that there's a vacancy if everybody is healthy. So if you're Nils Oman, where do you slot in? Mm-hmm. And if you're Sheldon Dries, I think that's really interesting that they're testing him on the wing, but also giving him a bit of a penalty killing yeah 
opportunity here in the preseason. I think that was just based on the forward group. And again, I was a little surprised why you wouldn't try Ratu Sasson or uh, or Baines in that spot. Nilsamon spent a lot of the second period on the ice. He was down a f- down a couple of times. Oh, in fact, by once, yes, uh, a, a pretty vicious slash. All thing. I mean, yeah. that that's almost like a February slash yeah. where you're sick Back of the, the legs. Exactly. No protection. Very, I'm very surprised a star yeah. player like that go to a slash uh, uh, of that nature. I thought for the most part, Oman was. I thought it was pretty quiet tonight. Um, didn't notice him. He had the one chance late in the second yeah. period where he tried to set up Stamika off the rush, and he would have mm-hmm. been better off shooting. Now, if he had completed the pass and they had scored, he would have been an incredible playmaking, yes. but uh, I think he was in a, a position to shoot the puck there in a, a one-all tie, and he elected to yeah. try to slip it through the slot over to Jack Stunika. But I, I have to think, for the things that you said, that Stunika is probably at the top of the list of guys that are, as Rick Tockett said about Dakota Joshua after practice at UBC, breathing down his neck. And yeah, battling. I think that was a comment on on how hard Jack Stadnika is coming. Absolutely. Uh, I also think it was probably um, related somewhat to the fact that I think Tockett believes in DiGiuseppe, and I think he's going to wind up being a middle six forward, likely a third liner on the team. Drys, there was a soft back check on Connor McDavid in the first period, which allowed McDavid some space and to create to create a, st- a chance. I mean, Dries' route to the team, Jeff, as you well know, he was pretty nifty on the power play for them last year. He's decent with the puck. He can score some goals. I just don't know they're going to have the luxury of carrying that sort of player, particularly if they're only going to submit an opening night lineup of 22 players for salary cap purposes. So I'm a little unclear as to where dry sits but if you're asking me right now i would probably think he's on the outside looking in because i get a sense that jackson nika day by day is is uh, giving himself the best chance to be one of the 12 or 13 forwards and i think we can discount 14 forwards right if they do keep 22 you're only going to have one spare d one spare forward and if you do manage to fashion line up with 23 i would think you'd want to protect extra defensemen and keep them up for a five-game road trip after the home opener against Edmonton? Yeah, they got to get through the preseason here, take stock of who's fully healthy, and then keep in mind that a home opener and out on the road for five, especially going as far as Tampa and South Florida, I think they'd love to have a full complement of 23 and three extra skaters, but the salary cap may dictate that that's not possible. But again, they'll do the calculations once they get through the preseason here, and set their roster. Uh, two down, four to go. They're into Seattle on Thursday night, and then they're home, although when I say home, two at Rogers Arena and one out in Abbotsford. Canucks fall 2-1 in overtime to the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid ends it on a breakaway. Less than a minute into OT. This is rink-wide Vancouver. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. We're back breaking down a Canucks 2-1 loss in overtime in Edmonton. Canucks 0-1-1 now in the preseason into Seattle to take on the Kraken at Climate Pledge Arena on Thursday night. Now we should mention that one's not televised locally and as such, uh, I know uh, 
we have always said, you know, pregame, postgame, every game. Uh, unfortunately, uh, with no television, we're going to take the Thursday night game off. But we'll be back to do this again on Saturday. And from that point forward, uh, we'll be with you each and every night after the Vancouver Canucks play. Lots to chew on. Jeff and Matt with you here. Uh, what did you make of Elias Pettersson's night? I, yeah. I, thought, I thought pretty quiet early on. And then in the third, after yes. the penalty, he kind of came to life and mm. had some moments. I did wonder whether that high stick to Leon Dreisaitl was inadvertent or advertent when they were <laughs> up against the boards. Because if I'm not mistaken, it came after the slash. The aforementioned slash we talked about uh, to poor Niels Oman. Look, um, I don't put a ton of stock in preseason games or performances with players of that level. I think for the most part, it's about getting a sweat up, feeling the puck on your stick a little bit, trying some things out, maybe trying to get some chemistry with the people that you're skating with. And in the case of uh, Elias Pettersson, I think you can feel good about the fact his right winger will be Andre Kuzmenko. I was going to ask you about the other side of that line, like Nils Hoaglander. And whether... I heard you guys on Sunday say, you know, he was noticeable yeah. throughout, although a dreadful game for the Canucks top to bottom, and, and he had his poor moments in that one. I thought it was quieter tonight. He was. He was. Um, frankly, I'm not sure that game helped Hoaglander. I think maybe it keeps him level. Yeah, I, I'm not fully sure who else they want to try on that line with Pedersen but that's good real Kuzmenko. estate. Like you had good Absolutely. real estate there tonight. So that, Mikheyev, that maybe was, maybe Bavilia gets a, right. a look here in the preseason. But you know, the that line was the opportunity to make yeah. an imprint playing with those two guys. Tonight. The line on Hoaglander, 17 and a half minutes, two shots on goal, just one hit. And of course, he had the noticeable hit the other night that knocked Dennis Gilbert out of that game in Calgary. Not that you're looking for him to mow down opponents every single game, but if he is going to stay relevant and stay in the battle for a roster spot here. Uh, he's got to be noticeable. I mean, that's the word that we keep using with him. And you're right. Talk about uh, prime real estate. Uh, you'd like to have seen him do a little bit more. Like when I look through my notes in this hockey game, uh, I, I just I don't have him down there anywhere. His name didn't really register for me uh, in this one. You know, Kuzmenko had a couple of moments. He had that dash down the left side, tried to get around Evan Bouchard when it was one nothing, And then the Oilers went back the other way, and they ended up tying the hockey game. But uh, Kuzmenko gets the primary assist on the the Quinn Hughes goal, and so uh, uh, Kuzmenko didn't stand out for me. But there were some flashes in this game where at least I recognized him. I didn't see a whole lot of Vils Hoaglander. So, yeah, I mean, was he bad? No, he didn't get burned for goals or misses checks or those types of things. But in terms of absolutely stamping. Uh, his position on the on the wing with Elias Patterson, he probably opens the door now for the Canucks to roll somebody else through there. Yep. Uh, I don't. Patterson's not likely to play tomorrow night, and then there's three to go. I don't know if they take him out to Abbotsford or if they just play him the two games at Rogers Arena in the preseason. Well, what I if, think they were going to try someone anyways, Jeff. Yep. Um, uh, I think in a perfect world, Nikhayev gets a preseason game, maybe two. We'll yeah, see. Left practice again early today. Yeah. So this is clearly part of the plan that just go up for a bit of a skate and work your way back. And then I think you're right that Beauvillier is probably going to get some opportunity there as well. And I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Beauvillier start the season, uh, start the season on that wing. The one thing I'll say about Hoaglander though, I do think he's making the hockey club. I mean, the fact that he has to pass through waivers to go down to Abbotsford means that they either have to keep him or 
you do wonder, we have heard there's trade interest in Nils Hoglander in the past. If the Canucks look at it and go, we still don't think he's ready. We still don't think the defensive detail is there, but we don't want to risk slipping him through waivers. Then who knows? They've already made one trade in this preseason. They made one last year as well, as you recall, Jeff, with Jason Dickinson and Riley Stillman featuring. So I think Hoaglander is on the team, barring a trade. I'm just not necessarily sure where he fits yet. And I would bet that Rick Tockett and the staff probably doesn't know where he fits yet. We'll get to our stat that stands out here a little later on, but I considered this one, but I just want to use it as a talking point because we're discussing Elias Pettersson. And again, I, you know, if he ends up winning this game on a breakaway in overtime, we're raving about him being the game breaker mm-hmm. as it was. It was Connor McDavid. Otherwise, uh, relatively, I thought, pedestrian night for Pettersson, and that's fine. Getting yeah. his feet wet. Didn't do an awful lot over in Victoria at training camp. I'm not worried about him. What I liked about his night, though, and again, it's his first look of the preseason. Take it for what it's worth. But the Canucks were out on the road. They couldn't dictate the matchups. And the Oilers did have strength down the middle. Pedersen won 12 of his 15 faceoffs. Matt, this is a guy that's career 43.3% in the National Hockey League. And it has been an area in the past that we've wondered, is that going to hold him back from being a matchup guy? If you're going to be yep. a matchup guy, you're going to be out there on your own end. You're going to see the other team's best players and the Oilers certainly have guys that qualify as best players with McDavid and Dreisaitl, and that's an encouraging step. Again, it is. It's just you know, a little morsel to take away from this game when it comes to Elias Pettersson. You know, is this a sign of him rounding out his game? Was it just a one-off that uh, he had good stuff going in the face-off circle? Whatever the case, I'm not worried about him uh, in terms of not scoring goals or not racking up points, but I like that fact that in the first look at him here in this preseason – He comes out and makes a little bit of a statement in an area of the game that hasn't been his strong suit. And against NHL centermen, too. It's not like Edmonton was playing their AHL lineup tonight. Of course, you go far back enough, you'll remember he needed JT Miller on that line to take the faceoffs. Was it last year or the year before, Jeff, where he came to camp talking about, I've got to get better on faceoffs? I think it was two years ago. I do remember that being a storyline for him, and you're absolutely right. He does have to be better than 43%. If he's going to be a matchup guy, and let's face it, the Vancouver Canucks need him to be a matchup guy. He is a tremendous defensive forward on top of being a gifted offensive player. It's one of the few parts of his game that lacks. Jeff, let me tell him about AG1. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first, first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash rinkwide. That's drinkag1.com slash rinkwide. And check it out. Uh, you ready for your stars yet? Well, we'll get there in a sec, but here's the breakdown. Just very briefly, Elias Pettersson won both of his faceoffs against Connor McDavid. He went three for four against Leon Dreisaitl. He cleaned Brandon Sutter's clock. He won two oh. of three against Brandon Sutter and four or five against Derek Ryan. Again, like, Sutter, I don't know if he's going to make the team. It's a good news story that he's just playing NHL hockey again. But McDavid, Drysaddle, Derek Ryan are going to be guys that are taking draws for the Edmonton Oilers all season long. So, uh, again, uh, we'll put that in the positives category for Elias Pettersson on this night. Uh, All right. Yeah. I mean, let's get to the three stars of this hockey game. And, again, these are the rink-wide Vancouver three stars. I don't even know who was selected in the building. I thought both goaltenders were Solid in a low-scoring game like this one, but I don't have either one of them uh, in my three stars. Uh, I'm going to go 
with Connor McDavid wins mm-hmm. the game in overtime. He had the chance in the first period as well, where he caught to Smith from a sharp angle, and he kind of, I think we've seen him do this before and try and sneak one up under the crossbar. And so it's Connor McDavid uh, again, probably at about seventy-five percent of uh, you know full tilt, uh, full throttle for him, but still makes an impact on this yeah. hockey game. And I think he got uh, Wolanin there. Yes. I, I think Wolanin was looking at it, going, "Oh, is this guy going to try to get right around me and?" short side yeah that's kind of what Connor mcdavid does he tries things and is capable of doing things and sees things that other players in the national hockey league do not i I think he is a worthy choice jeff yeah mcdavid finished with uh 18 minutes of ice time three shots on goal for him and three hits in fact remember Mm. one time he went uh, after uh, dakota joshua in the first period and i thought boy you want to get noticed for your dakota joshua Go back at Connor McDavid, right. but uh, he elected to uh, just play on at that point. Uh, I'm going to go. In fact, he went wide on Susie as well on the other side, if I'm not mistaken. Also tried a short angle shot, so you know he that's in his quiver. That's something they should be looking for on the 11th of October when they host the Oilers in the regular season home opener. So I'll give McDavid uh, one of the stars. It is a Canucks-focused podcast here, post-game on Required Vancouver. So We're still waiting for the first Canucks star of the year from you <laughs> after going three flames after 10-0. Yeah. Again, I liked a lot of what Quinn, I, I'm going with Quinn Hughes as my second star. I, I just I thought he did a lot mm-hmm. of what Quinn Hughes does. Uh, for the most part, controls play. I talked about the shot attempts. And I'm going to put Teddy Bluger at the top yeah. of my list. I, I just thought it was a, a nice all-around performance and a real indication of what Teddy Bluger can do for this Vancouver Canuck team. My guess, Matt, is that Teddy Bluger won't factor in the three stars very often no. throughout the regular season, and that's fine. He doesn't have to, but on this night, uh, absolutely putting his best foot forward. And again, he looked like an exceptional penalty killer tonight. If he can bring that in the regular season, we know how bad this PK unit has been for the last couple of years, Jeff. Watching... And maybe I'm scarred because of it, but watching him play the top of the penalty kill tonight was beautiful. I mean, mean, that's the way you're supposed to play the top of the penalty kill as a forward. So we haven't seen enough of that over the last two years. It's a massive weakness. If they get somewhat better on the penalty kill, you've got to think that goes a lot of the a long way towards the 12 or so additional points they're going to need to make the playoffs this year from where they stood last year. And so if Bluger can sustain that sort of performance on the penalty kill, especially against the quality of talent he was up against, the Vancouver Canucks have themselves a very good signing for this season. Preseason is all about evaluation. Canucks are two games in. They've got four still to go. We've talked about a number of players that we think took a step forward. Let's take a moment here, and then we'll discuss some guys that either stood still or we'll see if you thought there were anybody that uh, took a step backwards in this hockey game. Uh, It is rink-wide Vancouver. Canucks fall 2-1 in Edmonton. Jeff and Matt with you here, and we'll come back and wrap things up on rink-wide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. 
and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. All right, we got a little bonus hockey on this Wednesday night, 55 seconds in fact, before Connor McDavid ended things, took matters into his own hands, takes the breakaway pass. Quinn Hughes caught, and we talked about Quinn Hughes having a nice night. Uh, Canucks start overtime with Pedersen and Garland and Hughes. The forwards are able to switch. It's Bluger and Kuzmenko over the boards next, but Quinn Hughes unable to get off the ice, kind of angling towards the bench, and credit to the Oilers. They recognize that. McDavid gets a step, and that's all he needs, and at that point, it was game over. So we've talked about a number of players that we liked. Uh, you mentioned Dakota Joshua. We didn't spend a lot of time on him, but he had the big hit nope. on Matthias Janmark right off the bat. We talked about uh, him kind of getting involved with Connor McDavid. Certainly it was a, a better night for Joshua yep. in this hockey game than on Sunday. It couldn't have been a whole lot worse because not only was he not noticeable and not physical, he was on the ice for five of the 10 Calgary goals. Mm-hmm. So, uh, better, but he was but part of the penalty kill tonight, was. which was pretty good. Yep. And as we say, he was involved physically right from the jump. Would have liked to have seen him, as you noted, Jeff, go at Connor McDavid a little more forcefully the one time they came together. But I think that was a player who heeded the coach's word from yesterday and applied it. Yep. They had him in the fourth line roles, played with Max Sasson and Sheldon Dries. Uh, I don't think either of those guys really helped themselves tonight. And Sasson's an American Hockey League player. So I don't know if he'll get another look at this point. Uh, I would think after Thursday's game, the Canucks will start to pare down towards mm-hmm. more manageable numbers because Abbotsford's going to get its training camp up and running. And and look, Max Sasson uh, figures in this organization's plans at the American Hockey League level. But yeah, I mean, I think you see that he's not quite ready for for prime time just yet. Aturatu didn't see an awful mm. lot in him in this hockey no. game. No. There are certain things about Ratu that you can understand why he was the prospect that he was. There were a few times tonight I just I looked up and he found himself in pretty good position. I think for the most part he's a pretty heady hockey player. He certainly doesn't have the wheels. No. Nope. Uh that is evident. I th- look, I think he needs some more development and I think the fact that they have Bluger, they have Oman who can both play center means he's going to start in the American Hockey League. I do wonder when his first call up is going to be. I imagine it's going to be how well he shows in the early going in Abbotsford. But, yeah, I mean, at best, I think, level on Ratu tonight. He Again, was on the ice for the Nugent Hopkins goal, and I'm not pinning it on him, but both he and Susie, uh, just a, a mm-hmm. beat late sort of. And at this level, you give guys like that space. Dreisaitl finds the Nugent in front, and yep. he makes no mistake there. Ratu played 10 minutes and 13 seconds, so he was – the low ice time man yeah. for the Vancouver Canucks, and he didn't win a faceoff. He was 0-3 in the faceoff circle. A so. step late on that goal, and, and Jeff, there were a couple opportunities in the offensive zone where he couldn't quite couldn't quite get it together. Uh, we talked about Hoaglander, who I think at best, again, level, maybe hurt himself a little bit tonight. Um, I thought Connor Garland was pretty good, but we're not. We're talking about guys who we don't didn't like as much right now. Interesting and, deployment, I thought of Garland. First unit power play, just because guys like Miller and Besser aren't in this lineup. And right. so, you know, a little bit of a, a carrot to him because he doesn't see a ton of power play. Certainly doesn't get much time with guys like Hughes mm-hmm. and, and Pedersen. And then one of the three overtime guys. And an shoot. overtime guy. In fact, right off the bat, right with off. Hughes and Pedersen, mm-hmm. but also took that holding penalty 
in the third period that, again, we talked about the Canucks penalty kill. It was good on the mm-hmm. night, but they were playing with fire, obviously, and you, you didn't want to continue to give the Oilers opportunities. An Oiler he power play. That, that, but he took that holy, holding penalty, if I'm not mistaken, after a pretty good chance in the offensive zone. So, yeah, I mean, some good and bad Garland, but we know he's going to be on the hockey team. And he played on a line with Ratu and Arshdeep Baines. And I like Arshdeep Baines' hustle. Again, a guy that uh, I think is working his way onto the NHL radar. He's not there yet, and he's not going to make this team out of camp. Uh, you know, it, it, there wasn't a ton of flash in his game. I don't think that there is when he's on. He's just a heady player. Uh, but boy, did he bite on uh, the fake late. I was going to say, period. he, caught, he got caught flat-footed, I think, a couple of times in this hockey game. And once by DeHarnay, who's not exactly your dangled defenseman. So, look, I think the game is moving very fast for sure. him because those are NHL players on the other side, and he hasn't played against a lot of NHL players. Bottom line, I'm not going to kill him, though, because I think we all know he's off to Abbotsford and is there for another year of seasoning to round out his game, a former Western Hockey League leading scorer. Of course, the pride of Surrey, a lot of people in our steep Baines corner. Look, I thought Susie is part of the penalty kill, and look, we're crediting the penalty kill tonight, and it was pretty good, and so I will give Susie his due there. I can't say I love Carson Susie tonight, though. Yeah, he was on the go- ice for the goal. Uh, yeah, it was him and Brisebois. Uh and Brisebois I didn't much like tonight either, Jeff. And you know what you got after all these years in the organization, Guillaume Brisebois mm-hmm. kind of is what he is, but he is in this camp still battling for a depth role. I don't know if he's going to be on the roster. I doubt he would make the opening night lineup, even if he was on the roster. But the fact that they paired him with Tyler Myers all the way through main camp, you know, they didn't give him another American Hockey League guy. I think it was something that they wanted to take a look at. Uh, And in fact, that's the way they started this hockey game. But we did see some different looks and Hughes and McWard and Susie Mm -hmm. and Willannon. I do think that they're experimenting with Susie over on his offside. And I know he's played there some, uh, but I'm just not convinced that he's got the puck skills uh, to... There was a turnover in the second period, Jeff, that led to a chance with Carson Soucy. If I'm I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, uh, one of the knocks on him was zone exits, that the puck just doesn't get out of the zone as reliably as you'd like with Soucy. One of the things that we talked about when he first uh, when he first signed with the Vancouver Canucks on July first, there was the the first period where. Uh, McDavid goes wide on him and gets to a short angle chance. So I didn't love Susie tonight, but look, uh, that's a veteran. That's an Uber veteran. This is a preseason hockey game. I suspect that when the lights go on for real, you'll see better from Carson Susie. But uh, I do think, I do think Canucks fans need to prep themselves. There will be some nights with Susie and Cole where you're going to go, Oh, what's the, why are they paying them this money? What's the big deal? Why did they target them? They are imperfect defensemen. They are bottom four defensemen for the most part. One of them is going to be asked, most likely, Jeff, to play out of slot, up the lineup, and I think that is going to have some consequences from time to time with the Canucks. Right, and I think that context matters here, that Carson Soucy was a perfectly fine third-pairing guy in Seattle, and the gamble here from the Canucks, and they've done this before with other players like Tyler Myers when he left Winnipeg, 
they think that this guy can't handle more of a role, we'll find out. Ultimately, maybe that's what Carson Soucy is at this level, is a good third-pairing defenseman. So uh, the underlying numbers were not kind to him and Guillaume Brisebois tonight. Individual courses of 31%, uh, and the scoring chances uh, in this hockey game and the expected goals for uh, 21% for Soucie, 29% when Brisebois was out there on the ice at even strength. They spent a lot of time in their zone, but... Tell me who who they were playing it because if they were out often against Drysaitel and McDavid, I think that contextualizes absolutely those Corsi stats a little bit. Yeah, no, and and right, you're on the road, you can't pick and dictate the matchups and those types of things. But guess what? Their second game of the season is right back there in Edmonton, mm-hmm. where you can't dictate the matchups and you have to be ready to to go to battle with whoever uh, you're out against. In their defense, I would hope they would have forwards who are a little better and help them get the puck out of their zone no a little bit more no than some of the guys that can stress tonight who we know are ticketed for the farm. Yeah, Christian Willannon, I thought, a relatively quiet night. I mean, the Canucks had six power plays, and he did see some power play time, but uh, didn't think that uh, he sort of moved the meter good or bad, just was out there. Uh, but I think he's still very much in the battle for uh, the third-pairing left-side defense position on this hockey club. I, I, I st- as it stands right now, with two preseason games down and four to go, I, I think I've, my money's still on Christian Willannon being one of their six defensemen on opening night. So we'll see. We'll see if others step up, if his performance allows him to stay in that conversation as the preseason rolls on here. Uh, I would think that uh, Thursday night in Seattle – First look at Ian Cole and Philip Peronik, who were a duo all through training camp, and I would imagine that those two guys will play together uh, against the Kraken at the very least. They may experiment. They may play Hughes and Cole at some point just to see what that looks like. But uh, uh, And then it'll be interesting to see who rounds out the defense because I think some of those guys that got torched in Calgary the other night, uh, it might be last chance uh, for a few of them, but I would expect that uh, you will see the likes of a, an Akito Hirose or a Noah Juleson uh, maybe Matt Irwin gets back in there uh, on Thursday against uh, the Kraken. So we'll see how that all shakes down again. It took well into Wednesday before the Canucks even released a roster for this game against the Oilers. It was so odd. I, I see Patrick Johnson basically deciphering who's going to play tonight by who is or isn't on the ice at UBC. And I thought to myself, good God, you've got a preseason game tonight. you got a preseason game Throw the fans tomorrow. Would you like, throw the lineup out early in the yeah. day? There's no tactics here whatsoever. No, nope. very, very, very. I was curious. And uh, so well, I, I mean, wouldn't expect that uh, we'll get a whole lot of info uh, again. Yeah. I, I just think you know you can base some of uh, the assessment on on who played here tonight, and I, oh, I do think course. a couple of guys will go back to back. But uh, my hunch is that you'll see Thatcher Demko, J.T. Miller, Brock Besser, Beauvillier. Probably Phil DiGiuseppe. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Pod Colson gets back in there. Oh, they gave the sure. opportunity to you know, Dakota Joshua. They went right back to him. Pod Colson didn't play in this one, but it wouldn't shock me if he gets a chance. Cole, Hironic. Uh, those are some of the names that I think you can expect to see uh, on Thursday. Help me no. out just who um, Cole, Hironic, Besser, Miller. Are those the only four we haven't? Ah, DiGiuseppe. DiGiuseppe. Uh, Demko, of course, but I'm yeah. talking skate. I'm more talking skaters here. Uh, yeah, I think that covers it. I think we have just about everyone there. Or oh, Irwin. No, he played the. Other oh yeah, that's right. Oh, he played oh, the. Other oh one. God, did he? Ever? Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and then obviously uh, Mikheyev, who is in a 
a separate bin uh, until he gets clearance to uh, get back out there. He's not going to be a candidate for. We're going to see McDonough tomorrow night. I would think. I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, he played in Calgary, although it was uh, hard to find him out there. A disappointing night for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, you're not expecting this guy to go coast to coast and score a bunch of goals at this level. Although he did that uh, young stars in Penticton. But with that shot, I just thought, you know, give me a moment where you're going to force Jacob Markstrom uh, to make a save somewhere along the line. But uh, it just didn't happen for Aiden McDonough, but it didn't happen for anybody in a Canuck uniform on Sunday at the Saddle Dome. And I'll say this, Jeff, tomorrow if they're both in the lineup, huge night for Akito Hiroshi, who mm-hmm. was the best Canuck in a 10 nothing loss. Huge night for Noah Jolson, who may have been one of the worst, or if the worst Canuck in the loss in Calgary. Both of those guys, I do think, have a chance to break break this camp in preseason with the big club. If Hiroshi continues to play like he played on Sunday, I think we're going to start talking about him as that third pair left side defenseman. We shall see. And of course, Juleson Tockett wants to play lefty righty. Yep. That is a huge opportunity for the young man. And he was pretty good down the stretch last year. He got some shine with Quinn Hughes. If you're playing tomorrow and you're Juleson, we had Frank Corrado on our show today, Sakarison Price, talking about when you're a bubble guy, what are the do's and don'ts? Noah Juleson squarely on the bubble tomorrow could be huge if he's in uniform in Seattle. Yeah. I thought as one of the sort of veterans in a young lineup the other night, uh, it was a, a real struggle for him. So he's got to be better. I'm sure he knows that. And for all these guys, like they want to play, you can't prove yourself if you're sitting out. So I'm sure he's jumping to get back in there and we'll see as the Canucks move on from Edmonton, they'll come back to Vancouver and then the game group will fly to Seattle uh, on Thursday afternoon and face off against the Kraken at Climate Pledge. A reminder, again, game's not televised locally. No rink-wide Vancouver postgame after Thursday's game against the Kraken. We'll be back to do it again Saturday. We'll have a postgame after the game out in Abbotsford next week against Seattle, and they wrap up the preseason at home uh, a week from Friday against the Calgary Flames, and then it is on to the start of the regular season October 11th against the Edmonton Oilers. That's going to do it for this edition of Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Bodog. For Matt Scaris, I'm Jeff Patterson. Oilers beat the Canucks 2-1 in overtime. Thanks so much for listening to Rinkwide Vancouver.